Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. You're listening to the sermon cast from People's Church of Vancouver, Washington. You're invited to join us on Sunday mornings at 10:30 a.m. We're located at 6801 East Mill Plain Boulevard in Vancouver, Washington. For more information, visit us at peopleschurchvancouver.org. Now for this week's sermon. Warm welcome from my friend Charlie McLaren. The nice thing about being a guest speaker is you get the last word here, so. I was going to report that in the fifth grade, your pastor had a love life going with a Hispanic young lady by the name of Guadalupe Juarez Martinez, uh, about four other names, but the ones we remember best is Sylvia Munoz, Munoz, but it dissolved. I prayed him out of that relationship because I had a vision of Kathy showing up late in his life and uh, it came, came to pass. Your, your pastors are dear, though. They, they really are. And um, I am very, very blessed to have them as friends. Uh, pastor's wife is just as real in outside the church as she is here with you. When I show up at their door, she greets me and says, welcome home. Uh, what, a, what a special favor that is. And uh, for this old bachelor, it is very, very wonderful. Outside of my granddaughters, uh, I love coming here. Uh, in fact, I was... Um, uh, my, my, my youngest granddaughter, who is five, about to turn six, informed me, she says, Grandpa, I am getting married. I said, you are. I says, who is the lucky young man? She says, uh, whatever his name was, I just totally forgot it. Part of being 70 now, right? But uh, she said, yeah, he's, he just moved, moved here and he's coming to school now. Oh, I said, is he a Christian? And she says, I don't know. I said, did you, did you ask him? Did you talk to him about it? And she says, no. I said, so he may not be a Christian. And she just looked at me real serious, those big blue eyes. She tells everybody she's got grandpa's blue eyes. But she says, uh, I said, do you know what happens to women who marry non-Christian men? And she looked at me and she said, the wedding is off. <laughs> she she, she always has something, boy, really to say. Uh, this last summer, I, when I was up here, uh, we went to Walmart, and I had been to the thrift store. She loves to go to the thrift store with Grandpa. We we'll dig around her. She goes on the toys and the dolls, and, you know, and so she found a doll, right? So then we had to go over to Walmart for my daughter wanted something, so we went over to Walmart. So Sadie and Grandpa are getting ready to get out of the car, and I get out of the car, and she's got the baby all wrapped up with, you know, about 500 pounds of miscellaneous stuff for the baby. And I said, sweetheart, I said, why don't you leave the baby in the car while we go in there? And she put her one hand on her hip, and she says, Grandpa, you don't leave babies in a hot car. (laughs) Now, we have a lot of fun. How many of you have grandkids? They say the strangest things, don't they? Just amazing. We are living in changing times. One thing I am glad is that Jesus never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, 
and forevermore. Heaven is not a thought. Heaven is not a imagination. It is not a philosophy. It is a reality. We are all going to die one day, the Bible says, and be in God's heaven if you know Christ. This is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It is the great hope of the churches that Jesus Christ is going to return after his own. And we will be with him forever and ever. That is the great reward. That's what we look forward to. Paul says in Philippians that he longs to go and be there. You remember Paul had uh, actually had died and he had, had this uh, experience where he went into the third heaven. And when he came back, it was so overwhelming. He said, there were things I can't even explain. And it goes along with what John the Apostle says when John says that um, he couldn't, we couldn't even imagine or think or, or heard of anything or seen of anything that is like what God has prepared for us that love him. I, I just absolutely love Lake Tahoe. We are hoping to go there this summer again. And it is just, I've been blessed to be able to travel half the world and be in the Bahamas and the Caribbean and Russia and the, the, all these different areas that the Lord has blessed me to be in. But I, I just almost love Lake Tahoe best of all the places that I've been. And um, it is just a magnificent, uh, if some of you have been there, you know what I'm speaking about. It has got the Northwest look to it with the beautiful trees around this crystal blue lake. It is just absolutely gorgeous. But that doesn't compare to anything that God has prepared for those that love him. We can't imagine what it's like to have no more tears or sorrow. There will be no more death or dying when we get there. We will have no more viruses or any of those kinds of things, cancer or uh, uh, wars. Any of those things have all been, the Bible says, are all things of the former. Former. And they, he says, I make all things new. Can you imagine that? And this is Paul was in this atmosphere, this environment, and he was so stricken with it that he said, I so long to go and be with Christ. But right now it's more important that I'm here to help you continue your growth process. Very, very wonderful. One of our dear friends that we uh, saw come to the Lord late in life and became our assistant pastor, uh, Earl Rust. I uh, uh, got, love Earl Rust. He was a wonderful man and a very different man. He, he uh, lied about his age when he was 15 and joined the Marine Corps and was in World War II. He was in a number of different battles, but he was sharing with me uh, the Battle of Tarawa which is, if you look it up, it was a terrible, a small island and uh, thousands of men died and it was a bloody thing. And he said, I still remember my 16th birthday. He said, I was waiting ashore to go into Tarawa with all the bombs going off and the big guns from the ships and all that was going on there. And later on in his life, Earl had, uh, had a leg amputated and had a lot of physical problems. And I called our friend Mark Armstrong and I said, how was Earl doing? I was checking on him. And he says, I don't think he's going to last another day or two. Well, I was up here in Washington. I couldn't get down there. I so wanted to be there with him in his last hours. And uh, he, told, he told Brother Mark Armstrong, he said, he said with tears, and I could see it in a big, burly man that he was, but a soft, tender heart that God had changed his heart. And uh, big tears coming down his face, Mark said. He said he had me crying. He said, he said Brother Mark, he said, I just want to go, go home. I just want to go home. And Mark thought at first, he thought he wants to go back to his home, his apartment. And he said, I just want to be with Jesus. I just want to go home and be with Jesus. 
And then Mark, it dawned on him. He didn't want to live any longer. He felt his life was over. He's done all kinds of things, been all kinds of places, been through wars, done all kinds of business dealings, was the pastor of a church. He wanted to go be with Jesus. There comes a time in all Christians' lives when the, the, the fear of death is outweighed by what we do after we pass on. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And he said, uh, you know, this is to, to encourage your hearts. I want to encourage your hearts this morning with this, this thought. And uh, there is a song that goes, I will meet you in the morning. Do you know that song? Probably singing here. We used to sing it, I remember, at the Lighthouse Church when I was growing up. Some uh, bright morning, uh, you know, it goes on and on. And we'll read it at the end or maybe sing it at the end. But Billy Graham met with a bunch of educators, the top educators in the nation. This is years before he ever passed on. It was in more, more of the peak of his career. And uh, they all came together and Graham addressed them. And he acknowledged many of the things that they had contributed to the world and to uh, the medical world, uh, such as UCLA, UCLA Medical and John Hopkins and some of these, and he cited some of their accomplishments that have helped tremendously uh, with society and with uh, health and all these things like that. And he turned to several of the other ones and to, uh, to talk about technology and how they had made advancements for e us even going to the moon and uh, the different things of uh, uh, all the industries that could use some of the things that they had created from these universities and had talked these great men. They'd, he just went down the list, down the list. But he said, gentlemen, this morning and ladies, he said, I want to tell you that there's one topic that you have not taught and you do not teach in your universities. And he said, it is probably the most important part of our lives. It's how to die. And everything got very silent. And he began to talk about what happens when you pass from this life to the next. And everybody was silent as Billy Graham reached out to all of these men. A number of them came to him afterwards, and he prayed with them. And many had received Christ that morning. What a tremendous, tremendous message that Graham preached to him. In Revelation 14, 13, the revelator says this, Blessed are the dead, those who die in the Lord from this moment on. Why would you say something like that? Well, I uh, have been blessed to go to Forest Lawn. I don't know if any of you have been to Forest Lawn down in the L.A. area. But out in Burbank, as you're going down the I-5 freeway, if you look off to your left, you will see out there on a mound and a cross out there in the distance a couple of miles away where the Forest Lawn Glendale is there. And when you pull up there, you're amazed. People said to me, why would you go to a cemetery? Because we were going to do a field trip one day. And these people said, why, why would you take us to a cemetery? No, no, it's more than a cemetery. Because the gentleman, Hubert L. Eaton, who was a big part of creating uh, the Forest Lawn Cemeteries, was a true born-again Christian. And his attitude about cemeteries were they were morbid. They were this, they were all these negative connotations that we have with them. He said, the Christian's view of passing on should be glorious. It should be joyous. And therefore, he designed the forest lawns with beautiful marble statues of David and, and others. And he had beautiful artwork and paintings. And if you go there, there is a uh, painting that was created around 1900. And it's as wide as this building or longer. And they created a theater for it. Long, long story short, it's the crucifix. 
and they have a little arrow and there's a narrator and you, it's like you're right there, it's fabulous. And he has all these things that, uh, and, and, and the, on the resurrection and David and the second coming of Christ, beautiful artwork and birds singing in the trees. In fact, when you pull up to the gate to come in, there's a big fountain and there's swans in the pond round about it. It is magnificent. They have a chapel where you can go to get married because this is part of life. And the greatest part is that entrance when you depart to go and be with the Lord. And that's what he wanted to execute to the people that came there was this was not the end. It was simply the beginning. Let's make it a memorial of the gloriousness of the resurrected Christ who says that I was alive and dead and I'm alive forevermore, praise God. And so we as Christians, we have this wonderful hope that lies within us that beyond our life is this glorious realm that God has created for us. It is so unbelievable. Paul, again, as I quote him, says, I would much rather go and be with Christ. What an atmosphere. What a, what a, a, a blessing. Not something that we dream about or we philosophize about, but we know as a certain because Jesus promised us these things. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Paul says this, I show you all a mystery. We shall not all sleep, meaning we're not going to just lay there in the grave. Yeah. The Christian has this wonderful opportunity to know that when he departs, the Lord is waiting for him. And there he is. We, do, we don't fear death. We don't fear passing on. We look forward to that day when we can put everything down and say, okay, Lord, here I come. Oh, thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. What a wonderful hope that is. The hope of the church is Jesus Christ himself there to meet us. Remember in Revelation chapter 1, when John is there and he's taken up in the spirit and he's got this envision of heaven and all these wild things are going on. And he says he hears this sound behind him like many waters and so forth. And he turns around and he sees this horrible scene of, of this person who, whose just uh, radiance is overwhelming and bright. And the sword is coming out of his mouth and he's, he, he's, his feet are shod with gold and brass like burning brass. And his eyes are like streams of fire coming out and all these things. And he's so overwhelmed by it that he falls down as if he were dead. And here's the beauty of it. It is a picture of the resurrected Christ. No more the flimsy human being that the Romans could take and put their spikes through his hands and hit his back. There's no more of this that uh, people will mock him. Instead, people will fall at his feet and declare Jesus Christ Lord of all. Every mouth confess. Every tongue speak it out. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so John falls as if he's actually dead. It's so overwhelming he can't handle it and he collapses. And as he's laying there prostrate before the Lord himself, not even realizing this is the Jesus that he walked with, that he was there with when he saw him at the, the baptismal, when John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. This is the John that saw Peter walk on the water. This is the Jesus that John saw laying in the back of the boat when the waves were crashing. I said, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And he stood and he spoke to the winds and the sea. And he said, peace be still. And everything was calm. And the men were afraid. They thought, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the sea obey his voice. This Jesus, John remembers, 
But in this instance, he's so overwhelmed by what he sees in the resurrected Christ in the atmosphere of heaven itself that he falls. And as he's laying there, oh, I love this part. I love this part. Here is God Almighty manifested in the form of Jesus Christ, his son. So overwhelming now in his resurrected state, in his rightful place in heaven, as King of kings and Lord of lords, as John is laying there, he doesn't stand back, he goes over to John, and John says, he laid his hand on me and touched me. Wow. Oh, friends, this is the God that loves you and me so much, he's prepared an eternal place for us. He wants us with him. He's not distant and far. I remember one time I was at a conference with Larry's brother and, and uh, Dale Van Steenis, one of our friends, and uh, we were down in Los Angeles, and I remember this man got up, and he was the pastor of some large church back in the Midwest, and he got up and he said, oh, great God, great is the distance that separates us from you, and he was going on, and I remember Dale leaning over to me and to uh, Dennis, uh, Larry's brother, and said, this guy doesn't have any knowledge of who God is. And boy, that was true, because he saw a great big huge God that was great and distant, probably frowning down on us. Whereas we see Jesus in all of his glory, reaching forward and touching us and drawing us unto himself. This is the Jesus that took the little children in his arms and loved them. This is the Jesus who touched people with viruses and leprosies and all. He touched them. Can you imagine that? He reached out and touched them. He touched their eyes, he touched their ears, he touched their bodies. And they were healed. This is the God that we love and that we serve. It's no wonder. Paul says there in Philippians, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. But to be here is better for you. He wanted to go. Oh, he was jumping. Let me go. Let me go. Oh, I better not become. But oh, I'm so, I'm so, oh, I just want, oh, but I need to stay here for a while longer. But oh, I de- desire to be with Christ. It is said, uh, uh, the, the historians, uh, some of the things are wonderful when you go back into church history and read some of the accounts of how the apostles all died. Uh, Dr. Stuart McBurney, wonderful man who's since gone to be with the Lord, traveled for I don't know how long in the Middle East and all over, and he explored in the uh, catacombs of Rome and in the, the Pope, uh, let him go in and, and look up things, but he studied the, the death and the, the, the whereabouts and all the different factors about the apostles. And it was interesting how they all died, very horrible deaths, except for John. And uh, the one on Paul says that when he went up there and they were going to, they took him outside of town, took him out, and they were going to to kill him. He knew his time was to come. And he said, my time has come. And you read it in 2 Timothy, where he talks about it. And he says, I have now completed the task. And henceforth, there's laid up a crown of righteousness for me, and not only me, but for all those that love his appearing. He goes out with the centurions, and his hands are shackled. And he no doubt smiles at the man that's about to take his head and allow him to go to glory and free him of his earthly hold. He smiles at him and says something, probably a a wonderful passing word to him, and he simply lays his head down, and the man cuts his head off. And it's now the entrance into glory. You see, I've met with people that were dying in the hospital over the years, and sometimes they have fear. Pastor, pray for me, I'm afraid. And I would reassure them that wonderful passage in John 14. I go to prepare a place for you. 
You have a place you're going. It's not mystery. We should teach our little children. I was reading an article the other day that said about teaching our children what happens when people pass and how wonderful it is that they have this understanding. At the Jude Hospital, little children sometimes die. And they're afraid and so on and so forth. And uh, I have a friend that works down there that goes into the hospital and he talks to them about what happens after we pass. Where's grandma and grandpa? Where's us? Some people die young, some people die old. But what's waiting out there and how to get there? And gives them this little roadmap where they can receive Jesus as little children. It's wonderful. And uh, I was, uh, heard a story the other day that caught my attention. And there was an elderly grandfather up in his late 80s, early 90s. And... Uh, he had had a lot of physical problems in the last six months, and the doctors told his family, said, you need to get all the family together. Uh, he's not going to make it past about 48 hours. And we're going to send him home so he can be with you, but uh, let him spend his final hours at home. So they sent him home, and as he was laying there with his eyes closed, almost in a comatose state, he suddenly, his eyes opened up, and he said, I must be in heaven. And his son said, why, Dad? He said, I can smell your mother's strudel. Grandma Strudel, it, I must be in heaven. And his daughter came over with her eyes in tears, and she said, no, Dad, you're not in heaven yet. But Grandma's downstairs baking Strudel. He said, oh, if I could just before I pass, if I could just have one more slice of your Grandma's Strudel. And so they got little Johnny, and they told him to run downstairs to Grandma and get Grandma to cut him a slice of the Strudel and bring it up to him. And so little Johnny ran downstairs, and just a few moments later, he came back up with no strudel. And they said, Johnny, why don't you have strudel? Did you ask Grandma for the strudel? I said, yes. So what did she say? She says, oh, that's for the funeral. <laughs> don't restrict the dying man of his last wish. Oh, we have so much more than this world could even begin to see or think or hear or imagine is what John says. It's so much greater. We have this wonderful hope that lies within us. Oh, praise God. A true believers, we believe in this wonderful confidence that we have that comes only as a person comes into a realization with Christ. Someone said the other day, if you don't hunger for heaven, and you don't hunger for more of God, you're too full of yourself. Wow. Well, that really hit me. Really hit me. Are you full of yourself? Or are you full of the passion of Jesus Christ? Are you full of the passion that your purpose here on earth, while you're still here, is to serve him with your whole heart? Is your passion in life not only about what you've accomplished or what you want in this life, but that you want to present to the Lord some crowns that you can throw at his feet when you get there. Amen. You see, we, we often identify people's success with what they have, what they've accomplished. God doesn't see it that way. He sees that you have the, the lonely. You've encouraged the lonely. You have visited those in jail. You have done some works. You know, uh, recently, I just got a note in that my, our church, we have a pretty good-sized church, runs about 1,000 people, and it's a, it's a very ongoing church. The pastor there is very missionary-minded, very evangelistic, and I love that about him. And they just contacted me uh, the other day when I was at my daughter's and said, Charlie, we want you to put together a little thing because we're getting ready to go into a new realm in the church with small groups. 
and we want you to, to do a little presentation for people that have never done it. We're going to show it on Sunday morning. We're going to videotape it. We're going to put it on our stream. And uh, we want you to, uh, to tell people what a blessing it is to have a small group and be a leader. Well, the, the key with the leadership is of that, of that ministry that we have. It can either be at, at, at church, it can meet at a coffee house, it can meet wherever. The small group leaders, we train them in the church, but they don't have to be great speakers or teachers or things like that. A lot of people feel like, oh, I can't do it because I'm not. You can simply facilitate others and help them and encourage them. And so we talk about this. And so I'm writing up my little presentation for them, and then I'm going to go in and they're going to videotape it so on and so forth. But that's so true. So many people feel like, well, I don't have any gifts. Yes, you do. You have the gifts the Holy Spirit has given you because you're a Christian. You can be an encourager. You can be a helper. You can, the other day I was, I, I usually try to keep something in my car when these people are standing out on the corners and they're begging for help and anything helps and hungry, need help, those kind of things. I usually keep something in the car when I pull up I give them a bag with water and maybe some pop-top uh, cans like fruit or something like that, maybe a granola bar, a banana, or something like that. And I keep it there where I can give it to them. And it's amazing. Uh, every so often, I'll get some. It says, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Some of the rest kind of looking for money. We know there are scams out there. But you see, that's part of being a Christian. You may get scammed, but God knows your heart, and God is going to value that heart when you that's arrive good. in heaven. It's going to go on before you, and God's going to say, you did feed the poor. You gave a drink of water to a thirsty person. You did this. You did that. Uh, I think I shared this illustration. When I was up in Kelso years ago, I was coming home from Chehalis, where I worked. And I see people hitchhiking all the time, especially in the summertime out there. And I felt very strong to pick up this young guy. And I picked up this young man. And I got him in, and I started to talk to him. And all of a sudden, I started to share the Lord. And I said, are you Christian? I began to talk to him and, and hopefully develop a, a conversation about Christ. And he said to me, you know what? He looked at me with big, wide eyes. He said, I believe this is a God thing. I said, what do you mean? He said, you are the third consecutive person that's picked me up, that's asked me the same questions. And so we began to share. And I said, well, tell me where you're at. So he began to talk to me. He had some questions, and he did, had no religious background. I took him to my house that night, made him dinner. My son and I prayed there at the dinner table. He watched us, and then my son went off to do his homework, and I began to share with this young man. And he was about to die. He had six months to live, they thought. And they had released him from the Navy uh, at Bremerton. And uh, so we were talking, and he was trying to find his wife and his son that had been separated for some time. And he wanted to make amends and at least spend his last few days with them, and, and especially his son. And so we began to talk, and I told him that this is the way that your life could end. You could end where your son has a chance to see you again. And we can pray for him. And you can, if you find them, you can share with them what you have found, that Jesus has found you. And you can share. And I gave him a Bible and shared him. And he, he came to Christ that night. He wept. He got down on his knees. He gave his heart to Christ. I got him up in the morning. I took him out and took him down towards Portland where he wanted to go. And I've never seen him since. But you know, one day I'm probably going to see him. Amen. I often, and I, and I think I still have some in my car right now, little Gospels of John. And I, I give those to people. And I ask them this question. Have you ever read the story of Jesus. 
Oh, well, I'm Catholic. I didn't want to ask you. I told the young lady one time, she was telling me she was Catholic. So I kind of acted like I wasn't sure. And I said, well, that's the church you go to. But I said, are you a Christian? She had no concept of being a Christian. So I shared with her Bible. Saying, Here, you can read it for yourself. This is the same Bible your church in. Here, I'd like you to read just the story of Jesus by one of the men that traveled and was with him. She came to our Bible study, and for a week she came and would ask all kinds of questions. One night she bowed her head and wept. Now, not everybody weeps when they get saved, but I love, I'm just old Pentecostal type. I like to see something happen when people get saved. How many believe that, you know? And uh, she gave her heart to Christ, and it was a wonderful experience. And I see her every once in a while on Facebook, and she'll drop me a note. And uh, there's another one. But you know, you don't have to be a great preacher, teacher, know lots of Bible, scripture. You can be a loving, caring person that helps people find their way to heaven. I pulled over some time ago and I, my, my, my phone wasn't working and I was looking for this place. And I pulled, I saw a lady on the, on the, uh, in her yard raking her leaves and I pulled over and I said, ma'am, ma'am, excuse me, I hate to disturb you, but I said, my phone isn't giving me directions. Do you know where such and such? And she was, a, I could tell she wasn't a very educated woman. And she was out there, and she had a, a limp, and she walked over to the car, and she said, yes. And she started, she says, I'm not real good with words. I don't have a lot of education. She had a couple teeth missing, and she wasn't a very beautiful-looking type of woman. But you know what? She guided me to where I needed to go. Think about it. That's what we're all about. Guide the person to heaven. Amen? You're all going to face that day when it's going to be lights out. And you are going to go and meet your creator. Are you ready for that day? Are you ready when Jesus says, uh, do I know you? And you can say, yes. You remember I, I, I gave my heart to you and I did, I, I did my thing there, Lord. That's all it took. Somebody said one time that there was a man got to heaven and, and uh, uh, St. Peter said to him, he says, well, why should we let you into our heaven? And the man said, well, I, you know, I, I'm in the same church for 61 years. I have medals. Oh, that's, you got to have 100 points. That's, that's three points. Three points? He said, well, he says, you know, I taught Sunday school. I got into college and made me a Sunday school teacher. I taught little boys and I took them on camping trips and we did this and this. Oh, teacher, that's two points. That's five. You got five points now. So he, he came up with several other things. He said, I sang in the choir. Oh, that's one point. Well, I, this, that was, that was a point and a half. And, he, and when he got done, he was about 11 points. He still had all the rest of these points to get into heaven. And Peter said, well, think, man, think. And he says, I don't know. He says, but I, at summer camp, I root down the altar and I gave my heart to Christ. And, I and he said, oh, that's the 90-something points. Come on in. That's the requirement to enter God's heaven is that you've acknowledged Jesus Christ with your mouth and believe in your heart so that you can be saved. Hallelujah. I want to tell you this morning, it is a great place that you don't want to miss. And you and your neighbors and your relatives and those around you that still need to have someone help them and to guide them, all you have to do is guide them along. There's a lot of ways to do it. And if you'll begin to hunger for God, he'll put those things in your heart. He'll bring people and place them. in way. A while back I was thinking, you know, I haven't talked to anybody about the Lord lately. And uh, I was at this restaurant and I sat up at the bar part and I was saying, Lord, you know, I haven't talked to anybody lately. He got somebody. So the waitress, I knew her, she, uh, uh, their boss there came to our church. And I was waiting for him to come out and have lunch with me. So I said to her, I said, Susie, I said, uh, 
you got any Bible question? I says, boy, nobody's asked me a good Bible question. Wow, and she kind of looked at me. She knows that I'm a pastor. And she goes, oh, I don't know. So she came back later, and she asked me a Bible question. I said, boy, that's a good one. Let me think. I may not have the correct answer, but let me try. So she came and sat, and she said, I want to hear this. I began to share with her. Every time I would come in there, she would come over and say, what about this? What about and I finally, I bought her a brand new Bible. And I told her, this is where you start reading the Gospel of John. Start reading through there. Read all the words of Jesus. You know, within about three months, this gal came to know Jesus Christ. If you begin to ask the Lord, put people in front of me. He will not only put them in front of you, but he will help you to show you how to reach them. Right. doesn't matter how much you know or don't know. All you are is a guide. And you want to tell people, you're, you want your name written in that Lamb's Book of Life. That's the place that you want to go. You don't want to miss that. I close with that little illustration I've given so many times about our friend Dennis. And uh, Dennis, our third part of us, uh, said he was at Disneyland says that uh, there was a little boy in line with his mom and about three or four brothers and sisters or cousins or whatever, and he was one of those little antsy kids, you know. He's just, you know, going around, and he was walking away, and, he was, and his mom was continuing pulling at him. I, I, let's go, let's, I want to ride on rides, and he's just, he's just very antsy. The rest of the kids are talking or eating their ice cream or whatever, and he was just causing just a lot. And then, you know, the line at the Matterhorn is, you know, 500 miles long usually, and he just got antsier and antsier. So finally, Dennis says, while they, were, while they were laughing, he thought of himself as a little boy. I wanted to say to Dennis, you're still that way. <laughs> so Dennis says that by, by circumstance, they happened to be standing because they went before him. He was looking back in line. But he says when he got off the Matterhorn, he was standing over there with his wife and his two little girls. And he says all of a sudden the little boy that he had saw earlier was coming off the Matterhorn, and he was just excited and jumping up and down. And he got up on one of the little step things there, the little uh, cement uh, uh, benches. He stood up there, and he hollered everybody in line. He said, don't get out of line. It's fantastic. Don't get discouraged. Stay in line. It is so worth it. And he was going on until his mom pulled him down. I want to tell you this morning, don't get discouraged. It's so fantastic. Don't be despondent. Don't get discouraged over anything in your life. Keep looking ahead. Keep looking up because that's where we're going. And remember, your eyes haven't seen, your ears haven't heard. It has not even entered into your imaginative heart the things that God hath prepared for us that love him and love his returning. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's stand this morning, shall we? Can you thank God for making a place for you Hallelujah. Amen. Praise be to God this morning. Oh, we so desire to see you, Lord. We know there's much of a work to be done in this earth, but our heart reaches up and says, oh, we desire to be with Jesus. We desire to be in your world. We desire all of your blessings, Lord. We want to contribute and help, Lord, to help others come to you. And Lord, this morning, may you make that realization even more than it's ever been, Lord. 